Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. I know uh, we haven't done like an official series in a little while, uh, and I'm excited for this one because we are going to be talking about relationships. But it's not a dating series. It is a relationship series. And dating relationships are included in that. But at the end of the day, I think that one of the most important things to learn how to navigate in our lives is our relationships. Have you guys found that relationships can be tricky to navigate? Right? Yeah, like it's not something that just comes natural to us all. Uh, And has anybody found that sometimes there are awkward interactions? Especially in church. I think this is like on the top five list of places where you may have an awkward interaction. Small groups. We're big on all these things. But whenever you're doing life with people, it can just be uncomfortable. And right around this time last year, I started a series called Uncomfortable to start going down this lane about just the tensions that we deal with in relationships and just talking about as young adults, man, how can we get stronger at navigating our relationships? And my heart behind it was to get us to focus on excelling in navigating the relationships that a lot of times we don't think a whole lot about, uh, but that carry some of the most weight in our lives, like being an employee. So we did a message called Submission Season and how God will bring you through a season where you need to learn how to submit to leadership and asking the question, man, how how do you do with that? And that's just one example of some of the relationships that we don't necessarily talk about a lot because everybody wants to be a boss, right? You want to be the boss. But what about when you have a boss, which is the case for 95% of us? How do you behave in that environment? And then... Add on that, what if you are a Christian, a disciple, a a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ? How does that reflect in your relationships? And so I'm excited about this series. And as we were praying about it, talking about it as a team, um, the, the word that we wanted to focus on in this series is authenticity. Because I think that that's actually probably the number one thing that some of our relationships lack, that cause awkwardness, that cause tension, uh, and that just causes issues is a lack of authenticity um, and the lack of everyone being comfortable being themselves. So I want to ask you the question. If you just go through the, the different interactions you had today, did you feel comfortable being yourself in every interaction that you had? Think about it. Were you comfortable being yourself? I'm pausing because I really want us to think about it. Online, I want you to think about this. Are you comfortable being yourself? And this is not a motivational speech or like a self-help thing, but actually I believe it's the heart of God for us to be authentically who he created us to be. And 
So tonight I want to talk about the number one, the first relationship that we need to make sure is a very authentic one. And it's our relationship with him. Because that's the foundation. But what I found is not all of us feel comfortable with God really being ourselves. Which is interesting because God knows everything. So God knows the real you. He knows the real me. But sometimes we don't necessarily feel like we can have the most authentic relationship with him. And I think that that it affects the relationships that we have with other people. And again, I just believe that God wants us to have an authentic relationship with him. Not a surface level one. Not one that uh, is distant or, or leaves us over here in doubt and confusion. But man, I believe that it's God's heart for each and every person to have just a genuine relationship with him. Not like the appearance of a good relationship with him. Not the appearance of a good life or prosperity or blessings or just being blessed, but to have a genuine relationship with him. Man, how many of us can say I'm genuinely like close with God? You know, because in the past few weeks, we've been talking about a lot of different things, but we were focusing on insecurity for a little while. And even as we were talking about insecurity as it comes to work, right? And how God says that he, there were works prepared before the foundation of the world. There were works prepared for you to walk in. Just to walk in. But many of us spend our lives striving, running after things, chasing things. And I believe it's because we don't really know God in the way that he desires for us to know him. And there's something, there's something still in between, standing in between us and who he really is and him having access to who we really are, like from our hands. Because he knows who we really are, but are we bringing him who we really are? And I believe that's what causes a lot of the confusion, a lot of the stress, uh, and a lot of the straight-up weirdness. For real, I do believe that we can't even interact in a healthy way with the people around us when we can't be authentic in our relationship with God. Because then we're not comfortable or confident in who we are, so then we start trying to be something else, you know, or we start trying to one up people. We're competing with people. All that stuff comes from a, a lack of authenticity in our relationship with God. Because, man, when we're, when, when we're really close with God, right, and we understand, man, he formed us with purpose and intent. He has the best intentions in mind for us. He has a plan for our lives that nobody can take away. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and chose us in him before the foundations of the world and destined us to be holy and blameless before him. When we are secure in that, as we've been talking about, man, we can be comfortable loving people, not competing with them, not trying to knock them down, not trying to be the one in small group, talking over everybody because we want to impress people. Those are the things that end up being weird. And then we, and then we wonder why our relationships are having issues. And it's because a lot of times we're putting on this front and we just get so used to the front that we think this is the real us. This is how we're used to showing up, but that doesn't mean that that's the real us. 
And I do believe, man, sometimes, you know, we've dealt with trauma, we've dealt with pain, we've dealt with hurt and rejection, and those things will cause us to put up walls, and then we're bringing a false version of us. And then that's the most likely version to get rejected at some point because it's not real. But then we end up hurt because it got rejected, but that wasn't even the real us. And I just believe, man, that God has a space for the real you. God's calling is for the real you, not the you that you think you should act like or be. And when you talk to him, he wants to hear from the real you. He knows who you are and he loves you as you are. Now, he wants to change you to be more like him, but not more like somebody else. And so, man, I believe that if we can have the right focus and we can just have an authentic relationship with God, that will teach us how to have an authentic relationship with the other people around us. Because Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, right, with everything that you have, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. There's an authenticity that has to be there. And it's very simple. There's just a simplicity there. But where it gets complex, I believe, is when we're just not authentic about it. Because that's a simple command. And so, again, I believe that that this will lead to a much more healthy life, a more peaceful life, uh, just where we'll be able to find some contentment. And here in our ministry, in our particular church, I believe that it will lead us into a newer level of community, like a higher level of community. When we focus on having authentic relationships and we get rid of a spirit of competition We get rid of like these attitudes and these walls and all these things that we'll put up. Man, when we can step into a space with the heart to have authentic relationship with people, to be authentic with who we are with God. I think that, man, that is the picture of the body of Christ that Jesus desires because he created you as you are as a member of the body of Christ. So if you're created to be a finger, but you're over here trying to act like an elbow, Now it's weird for everybody because fingers are not elbows. Amen. So, man, I want to speak to some fingers today. (laughs) So I just want to pray for us. And as I've been talking about, man, you know, I, I, I want this to continue to be a more corporate experience, even in the little things that we do. And so I loved even how when the worship team was leading, just telling us to sing out. I love to hear the voices of the people around me because I come here. I appreciate being led. I love being led. But ultimately, I come here to do this together with you guys. Corporately, we come to gather. And yes, it's so important that we're led into the right places. But man, us participating is even more important. And so even as I pray to start the message, you pray. Pray for yourself. Because this is God's word. Again, we're not looking for what does Pastor Vance have for us today? What does the Lord have for us today? As we gather in his name and as we seek his face, man, and as we read his word, it's only his spirit that reveals things to us. So if you came here to meet with Jesus and to hear from Jesus, then I encourage you to pray as I'm praying. Pray for yourself. Pray for the people around you. Pray that we would 
be hearing his voice. Pray that he would speak to you in the way that he desires, not just the way you desire him to speak to you, but that he would speak to you in the way that he desires to speak to you, speak to you in the way that you need. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for the fact that we can be here. I don't take this for granted. I am grateful for the fact that we are able to gather in your name, in freedom, Lord, in comfort, Lord. I thank you that we're able to gather and just seek you. I thank you that you are here in the midst of us when we gather in your name because that is your promise, Lord. And so, Lord, we just open our hearts. We open our ears to what you want to speak to us today about having an authentic relationship with you, Lord. I know that this will be a game changer for some people, Lord, as we are just reminded of the simplicity of your call, Lord, of the depth and the breadth of your love for us, Lord, of your desire to know us and to be in relationship with us and for us to know you. Lord, I thank you for the beautiful journey that you have in store for each and every person. And I thank you for how, how tonight plays a part in that, Lord. So help us to be fully immersed, Lord, fully participating, fully present, fully aware, fully attentive, Lord, to what you're wanting to say, Lord, and that each and every person would be hearing your voice through what's spoken, Lord. They would be seeking you through everything that's spoken, Lord. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So again, The series that we're going into is just called Authentic Relationships. And tonight we're talking about authentic relationship with God. And so I want to start by just even giving a quick definition of authentic, right? So number one would be of undisputed origin or genuine. There's just, there's nothing to question about it. Your relationship with God of undisputed origin. We're not wondering why we're doing this. There's no wavering as to, oh, why am I in relationship with God? Man, I know God. God knows me. I'm not questioning day in and day out how close we are, if he really loves me, if I'm really saved. But man, I can walk with God on a daily basis. I'm not like hoping I get into heaven one day, but I have an authentic relationship with Jesus that is just going to continue when I step into heaven. It's not going to start there. I have an authentic relationship with Jesus that's going to continue when I get to heaven. It doesn't start there. It starts now. I hear his voice now. I know his spirit is within me now. I'm not waiting to get there. Uh, Second, uh, one of the synonyms, it says genuine, right? So I'm like looking up these synonyms because it says authentic, genuine. And it's like, okay, well, what about genuine? Genuine, sincere. Okay. And so the definition a few layers down that I got to was free from pretense or deceit and proceeding from genuine feelings. Man, authentic, just free from anything extra. It just is what it is. It's real. There's no deception. It's a relationship that's based on truth, right? And so the question that we're answering tonight is how can we be authentic in our relationship with God? And this is a really important message to me. I realize that sometimes when I preach, uh, what is not intentionally communicated, but sometimes what's gathered by people is, if I'm preaching this, this means I've mastered it. And I want to like tear down that idea 
Because sometimes it makes it hard for people to receive, right? Because you're waiting for the person who's teaching to like give this testimony to say, yes, it's hard for me too. And sometimes I do that. Sometimes I don't think about it because I'm just thinking about teaching what God is saying. And as I've said plenty of times, I don't view this as my own teaching. Jesus said himself, it's not even my teaching. I'm just giving you the teaching of my father. And that's the perspective that I take. And so my wife graciously reminded me that in some of my messages, I'm just not sharing as much of my story. And I really, really do appreciate that uh, because sometimes I feel like, man, I already told y'all. Like, you want to hear it again? But she's like, well, not everybody was there. There's like new people. If you said that a year ago, that doesn't mean everybody like remembers it or heard it. But so I just want you guys to know my heart that, you know, I don't attempt to not be transparent, but I will. I, I am very aware that like my first instinct is to just share the word uh, and not really like give my story and like tell you about me and tell you how this is, you know, how this happened in my life. It's just not my natural tendency. But I have found that when I'm listening to someone teach and they do share their personal experience with it, something just opens up with me where I'm like, okay, because sometimes you're listening. And especially if the message is like challenging or convicting, you're like, man, this person's preaching it so confidently, like they've known it their whole lives. And I feel like an idiot because I like didn't know this. Right. And so I found that sometimes people uh, when they're sharing their story, it just helps me to receive it a little bit better. Um, and so that's a little you know, tidbit for you guys, just of my heart and for anybody who is, you know, endeavoring to speak at some point. Some of my perspective on it. Right. Because we're all different. So as I was saying, authentic relationship, why it's important to me is because. I really, especially like early 20s, I really wavered. Like, mm, yeah, like between like 19 and 23, I would say, I really wavered in the authenticity of my relationship. And it's like I would start out on fire and then I would just get immersed in what was going on around me. Um, and uh, what I found was one of the biggest issues that I had that really like caused like a resentment in my heart is I didn't feel like God was speaking to me. And I don't know if you've ever felt that before, but people will say all the time, man, the Lord told me this. He was like, Vance, son, let me tell you about this in my word. This is what I mean when this and this and this and that. And that's how people will say that God was speaking to them. And so then you could be like, man, God does not speak to me that way. I've never heard him just like pull up on me, say my name, just break something down for me. It's not that easy for me, you know, or maybe I've never had this like big like moment as, you know, like I'm driving in the car and my car starts shaking and I'm just full of the presence of the Lord. And he just starts speaking to my spirit and moving me. And so because I, I felt like I didn't have one of those like big experiences, I wasn't hearing his voice like super loudly. I felt like he wasn't speaking to me and it started making me kind of salty. Because I'm like, you know, I'm trying to focus. I'm trying to like read my Bible. This is, you know, my so my freshman year of college, like my senior year of high school, I was just wiling out. Right. And the summer 
before my, uh, my freshman year of college, I had a situation happen that just shook me up. And I was like, okay, God, I'm done playing. I'm just going to follow you. Because I thought that it was light out here. And this is heavy when we are just out here in sin. All right. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to follow you. Because I just thought my whole life was over. And all right, I'm going to follow you. And so I would be, I wasn't the, I wasn't a great student in school. Uh, If you've noticed, I really like to study the Bible. I don't like to study random subjects. I just, there's nothing in me that gets excited about being prescribed work to do, right? Like, I will go study something I'm interested in, but it's difficult for me uh, to, like, my younger brother, older sister, A students, like, great at school, middle child here. Uh, I was always the, you're smart if you just applied yourself. You know, you would do so well. And my dad would say, if you would just buckle down, just buckle down, just buckle down this year. And I'm like, yo, I don't know what it means to buckle down. But apparently it's not for me. So uh, that kind of continued into my college experience where, you know, I'm starting college and, you know, nobody's making you do anything, right? Nobody's like making you do homework making you go to class, anything like that. And so, um, so I would be in my dorm, like studying the Bible, but not doing my work. And I talked to my guidance counselor uh, or advisor or whatever it's called in college. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I think I want to major in theology. He's like, that, that would be great if our school offered that, but we don't. You came to a school that does not offer that, so you can't study that. So marketing it is. There you go. Um, but I would be studying and studying and studying, and I'm like, yo, I'm kind of going hard here, and I don't feel like God speaks to me. I don't feel like he's speaking to me. And so what that led to was, you know, especially like second semester. So First semester, I had done pretty well at, at like resisting my roommates, you know, uh, inviting me to all these parties where I'm like, look, I already said I'm done. I did the wiling out. I'm done. I'm good. I'm good with just me and Jesus. But it was just me and Jesus. I, I didn't have any community. I didn't have anybody around. And so after a while, you know, it starts like wearing down on you, wearing down on you. And then at some point, you know, my roommates, they're like, man, we're going out tonight. Just come, just come. And I'm like, all right. So I'll come through. And after that, I was like, yo, this is fun. I enjoy this. I want to do this more. And at the same time, I'm feeling like, yeah, I don't feel like God's speaking to me. And so my desire for him was like lessening. And my desire for what everybody else was doing was like increasing. And so then the rest of my college experience 
back to Wild and Out. That's pretty much how I would just describe the rest of the experience. But it came from this small seed of me just not feeling like God was speaking to me. And so it hindered my relationship with him. And yet I believe that God this whole time had a great plan in store for me that I just couldn't see. Like I would have never imagined that I would be doing this, uh, that I would have the, the thought process that I have right now, the mindset that I have right now. Following Jesus is so much better than anything the world has to offer. And I firmly believe that right now. Firmly believe that. Like there is Nothing in me that just wants to go back to living outside of Jesus. Why? Because I have an authentic relationship with him. Right? And there's that confidence in my relationship with him is also what keeps me tethered to him. But for me, I didn't stick around long enough to learn that all the revelation I was getting when I was reading the Bible, that was him speaking to me. Like answering prayer. That was him speaking to me, even though it wasn't an audible voice. Right. But all those things started going away. The further I got from him, I didn't even realize it. So it wasn't until like years down the excuse me, years down the line when I did finally come back to Jesus, like all these years later, all this sin later, all this messing up later that I'm like, oh, snap. That was God speaking to me that whole time. And he was really close And he really was like, he was genuine in his approach to me. I just didn't understand enough about him yet to know how close he was and how much he was speaking to me. And so um, as I was praying about tonight, I was asking the Lord, like, all right, so when it comes to having a genuine relationship with you, you know, obviously, you know, I have a burden for this because... I've seen both sides of it. I've lived my life like outside of relationship with you. Now I have like this authentic relationship with you. But where scripturally do like you want me to dive into and study and come from? And I was like scrolling through the mental Rolodex and I just felt like God mentioned Jacob. And I'm like, Jacob? That's not who I would initially think to go look at when talking about relationship with God. Nothing wrong with him. But just not what I would initially think. But um, as I started studying, I saw what God was trying to show me. And so I want us to turn to Genesis 25. That's verses 27 through 34 that we're about to read. So that's Genesis 25, 27 through 34. I'm in the ESV. It's talking about Jacob and his brother Esau. They're born, and it says, When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So Isaac and Rebekah were Jacob and Esau's parents. Uh, Rebekah was barren for a season, and her husband Isaac prayed for her to conceive a child. Uh, It says that, that God answered her prayer and put twins in her womb. And then they're like wrestling with each other, And she goes and asks the Lord, is everything okay? Like, what's going on within me? And he says, there are two nations in your womb. And, you know, there's a division of people that's going to come from your womb. And one will be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger. 
right? And so then it says this right here, you know, when they grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter. He was the, he was the older one, skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac, his father, loved Esau because he ate of his game, which, he can't, he, which is what he brought back from his hunting. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And so the first thing that I want to dive into here uh, is... Nah, I'm going to read the rest of that real quick. Sorry, I'm going to read the rest of it and then dive into the next part. So, because I just want us to get a picture of the whole story so we don't have to go back. Okay, so once when Jacob was cooking stew, this is the next verse over. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. That's his, it's his, ah, it's his inheritance. As the firstborn son, Esau had the inheritance. So Jacob is like, you want some food? Sell me your whole inheritance. Esau says, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now, like sign this deal right now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And so the reason that I wanted to read the rest of that is because what ends up playing out in their lives is, spoiler alert, Jacob ends up living like this really blessed life. Esau does not. Jacob ends up having a great relationship with God, and though he's imperfect, He has an authentic relationship with God. Esau does not have a relationship with God at all. And yet he was the person who was supposed to be more qualified to receive everything that uh, that Jacob ended up getting. Esau was supposed to be the one who got it. We even see that Esau was a skillful hunter and his father loved him. And Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. And his mom loved him. And then we see Jacob, he gets the birthright and then he gets the blessing of his father. And Jacob ends up being super rich. Right. And then God calls himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He doesn't say God of Abraham, Isaac and Esau, even though Esau was the firstborn son. Right. So I want to talk about how we can have authentic relationship with God through the contrast between Jacob and Esau, because I think there are some things that we can learn. Because as we've even been talking about how God says in Ephesians that we were chosen before the foundations of the world. Jacob was chosen before he was born. God told his mother, the older will serve the younger. Esau's going to serve Jacob. He's been chosen already. Before they've done anything, before they've accomplished anything, before you know anything about them, he has been chosen, right? You and I have been chosen already. The Bible tells us that you were chosen before the foundations of the world, predestined to be adopted into the family of God through Jesus Christ. And you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have a blessing and you have an inheritance that's for you that you've been chosen for. But there's a way that God wants you to walk with him. Right. And we see a contrast between the type of person God chooses and the type of person God does not choose here. And I want to live the life of the person God chooses. Right. Do you? Cool. So the first point that I have 
to how we can be authentic in our relationship with God, and especially as we learn through the lives of these two people, is one, slow your pace. Slow your pace. Let's read right here. It says, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Esau was the impressive one. He was the one running around accomplishing things, impressing his parents. His father loved him. You talk, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Isaac was a big deal. You would think that Isaac's approval would be like the stamp of God, right? He said, I'm the God of Isaac. So who Isaac loves, you would think of his sons, he would know which one God was really moving in. However, God has a tendency to act and operate a little bit differently than we expect. And something that I've learned, especially in 2020, is the pace at which we live life will really determine how in step with God we are and how aware we are of what he's doing. And so though you can be running all around, accomplishing all types of things, bringing home impressive things, that is not an indicator that your relationship with God is strong. And a lot of us just don't slow down enough to evaluate. Our society is so fast paced that we won't even slow down enough to evaluate if things are going well. We won't slow down enough to wait on God, to hear from God, to know what his heart is. And I know that that is my natural tendency. Like it takes a discipline for me to slow down and stop myself and hear from God, because I'll have all types of ideas, all types of things that I want to accomplish, all types of things that I want to do. And I have to constantly be like, what I've learned is running around out here does not bring what I'm really looking for. And so let me resist the urge to just be running all around, doing stuff, accomplishing things. And let me stay still. Let me slow down and wait on God. And right around the time that that COVID hit and we were in quarantine, we were on a Zoom staff meeting. And there is a pastor uh, based in South Carolina. His name is Chip Judd. And our church brings him in sometimes to talk to staff and to counsel pastors, like all those things. And he's a pretty wise guy. And he said this on the call. And it just hit me and stuck with me so hard. He said, you cannot walk with God in a hurry. Just think about that while I take a sip. You cannot walk with God in a hurry. Esau's out here shooting arrows, hunting animals, doing all these things, but not walking with God. It says that Jacob is a quiet man dwelling in tents. And we know that man looks at the outside But God looks at the heart. And so I want us to really pay attention here because there's so much that we can learn from these two individuals. And the first thing that I want us to pay attention to is just pace. Slow your 
pace? What is the pace of people in scripture that God is moving in their lives? What is the pace of Jesus? Do you see Jesus scurrying around in a hurry ever? But we have to slow down enough to read about Jesus to know whether Jesus was in a hurry or not. And some of us would be like, I don't know, because I never read it. But God has given us the gift of his word so that we will know who he is, how he operates. We'll be acquainted with his ways. We'll be acquainted with his desires. We'll, we'll learn lessons from previous people's lives. That's the blessing of the Bible is I get to learn from other people's mistakes. I appreciate that God shares this difference between Jacob and Esau because there's a lot that I can learn from it in my own life. And as I look throughout scripture, there's nobody in a hurry to do things that gets the right things done. Everything always takes longer than what most people would like. And that's just a reality, but it's easier to deal with when we know that that's God's heart. And so for some of you guys, some things are taking a while. What you're looking for is taking a while. Getting to where you want to be is taking a while. But that doesn't mean that God is not going at his pace. And what I've learned is a lot of times, man, you'll spend today thinking about what God said is going to happen five years from now. And in anxiety and sadness and anger that is not here yet. And God is like, but what I planned for today is still happening today. And just because I said something is going to happen or I put a desire in your heart or I've given you a vision doesn't mean that it has to happen today. And if you would just slow your pace enough to get in step with God, you would live a much more peaceful life. And that's what I've found because I am so prone to getting out of step with God if I just follow my own like personal desires and if I follow my flesh because I'll be like, yo, I can make this happen. We could do this. And I'll get out of step with God and I have to constantly remind myself, okay, God, I need to go at your pace. And I know you're not going to leave me behind. I will easily get out of step with you and be over here while you're still over here trying to teach me this lesson. But you're not going to leave me behind. And so most of the time, our human tendency is to go at a faster pace than what God really has for us. And if we will slow down our pace, some of us are trying to get to levels that we are just not prepared for. Can we talk about it? Some of us are trying to get to levels that we are not prepared for. We're trying to get to heights, platforms, salaries, all this stuff that we are not prepared for. And God in his wisdom, in his love, in his care is like, I'm trying to teach you this lesson right here. It's not that I don't have this for you. Some of us, we want relationships, right? So badly. And the unfortunate thing is many of us, we spend all of our time 
wanting to be in a relationship instead of preparing to be in a relationship. And then we get in a relationship and we're like, oh my gosh, I am unprepared. This is so much more difficult than I expected. And God is like, yeah, so like these past few years that you've been just complaining and complaining and complaining, you could have been preparing and preparing and preparing and communing and communing and communing and praying and reading and getting wisdom and getting poured into and learning how to abide in me and learning how to have peace and to not be dependent on a person for your peace. But instead, our tendency is to wait until we get into the situation, depend on the person, realize that we can't depend on the person through pain because that person is not Jesus Christ. And then we're like, oh, God, now I see what you were saying. So now I'm going to come over here and do what you've been telling me to do the whole time. But I also got to be a good spouse in the midst of it. And I'm trying to work backwards. But if we would just slow down our pace, God could teach us what he wants to teach us because he has good plans for us. Some of us want jobs and positions and all these things that we're just not prepared for. Some of us do not have the leadership aptitude to be in the position that has the salary that we want, but has responsibilities that we're not ready for. Because we're still struggling with small responsibilities. Right. Like just being faithful in small things. And yet we're like, well, but my bank account says that I need that salary. And God is like, yeah, but that salary says you need these qualities. And these qualities only come from wisdom, experience, spending time with me. I can help you cultivate these things. But you got to spend the time. And so you got to slow down your pace. Somebody say, slow your pace. pace. All right. The next thing uh, is to align your posture. And so we're we're wanting authentic relationship with God. We want to slow down our pace and then we want to align our posture. Says that uh, I'm in the same verse. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. And uh, what I found about this word quiet, it's translated as quiet, but what the word really means, and this blessed me, let me just veer off for a second, because I always read this story about Jacob and Esau, and I'm like, God, why did you bless Jacob? I feel like he's just such a bad example (laughs) of like somebody that you're gonna bless. Like he over here lying and just doing messed up stuff. Like I just don't get it. I don't get it. But... I was glancing over what God actually says here because sometimes when we translate from one language to another, we search for the best word, but it may not be the one that reflects most accurately what was being communicated, right? So the word used for quiet actually means wholesome. It means complete, morally innocent, innocent, having integrity. It means Jacob was actually a pretty good dude. And this just blessed me. I'm like, okay, this is starting to make some sense. So when you talked about him, have, him being a quiet man dwelling in tents, you were talking about his posture. Like him and Esau just had a different posture. And I would say if we want to understand what posture is, I'm talking about your internal attitude and disposition. Like who you are in here and how you carry yourself. 
So what would you say is your posture? Because some of us, we're just focused on position. We're focused on talent, qualifications, all these things like, yo, my resume. Why is this person getting chosen? Why is this person getting chosen? And I think it's because we, we don't understand some of these things that God is looking at. Because God doesn't understand, he doesn't care what you wrote on your resume. It's not that he doesn't understand, he totally understands. He doesn't care what you wrote on your resume. He doesn't. He doesn't care what you've accomplished. Esau was very accomplished. He was the more impressive person on the outside. He was more pleasing to his own earthly father. Like, if you ask Isaac, man, which one of your sons is like a strong leader? He would say Esau. Isaac loved Esau. What did God say? Something different. Because God was looking at something inward. And that's what, that's what we can hide from people, but we cannot hide from God. And so our... The temptation to put on a facade, I mean, we think that it's going to get us places, but it doesn't because God will be up here the whole time like blocking this. Come here. (laughs) Want to get your posture in line. Out of love. Because sometimes we'll see the example of when he doesn't. What ends up happening when we don't have in here together and yet we get elevated to a certain place or position is we hurt people and we don't reflect him correctly. We don't accomplish what he's really wanting us to do. Remember, we've talked about it. Like glorifying God is not about giving a shout out to God. He wants your life to reflect his character, not just for you to be successful and then be like, and I love Jesus. You're welcome, God. He's looking at the inward posture. And a lot of times that's what he's working on us, working on in us behind the scenes. And so we'll wonder why we're not being elevated. You know, Jacob could easily be envious of Esau because he has the approval of his father. He has a much more impressive life. But God is saying, yeah, but I'm going to bless you because of these things. Your pace that you're moving at, I can work with because you can, you can walk in step with me at that pace. Your posture is aligned with what I desire. In fact, God tells us in Colossians 3.12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This should be our posture. This is what God desires from us. This is how we reflect his heart. He doesn't say clothe yourselves with impressiveness. With these things, this is what he's looking for. And these are things that anybody can do. Anybody, anybody can choose to be compassionate, to be kind, to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient. And I would say some practical ways to align your posture uh, that I've found. One is gratitude. Just being grateful. I start my prayers by thanking God for who he is, for what he's done for me. I typically start with the fact that I'm even alive. Thank you, God, that I'm even alive to pray to you. 
that you woke me up this morning, that I'm here. Thank you. I appreciate that. I thank you for everything that you've done for me. Because a lot of times we can step into a place of prayer just thinking about our lack and what we need. And God sees everything that he's doing for us, that he's done for us. And if we want to, al- to align myself so that I'm looking at things from the right place, I start with gratitude. Because that starts straightening me up. Like, okay, yeah, God, you did wake me up today. Like, you have protected me. You have covered me. Like, you've done all the things that you've promised, Lord. You are a God of your promises. And I'm grateful for what you've done for me thus far. And it just aligns me in the right posture. Uh, The next thing that I believe is a healthy confidence. A healthy confidence. And I think this is something that a lot of us are challenged in, that God wants to encourage us in. Man, when he's promised us his blessing, his security, all these things, there's a healthy confidence that we can have in just being his. God actually wants you to be confident, and it makes you able to connect with people and with him in a more authentic way when you're not insecure. When you have a healthy confidence in who he is and what he's done for you. So now I can be at this job not seeking the approval of man, but seeking the approval of God and knowing that the approval of God, in order to get that, I need to work as I'm working unto him. I need to honor the people around me. I need to submit to who he's put me under as he says in his word. And I do all these things out of honor and reverence for him. But I can do these things that may appear lowly with a healthy confidence because my, my identity is not found in the task that I'm doing at the moment. And so for me, you know, before, you know, preaching on this platform and all these things that some people look at as an elevated position, uh, I still understand that this is, a, this is a position of servanthood. That's what God has designed it for is I'm actually here to serve you in teaching, in pastoring, in shepherding. It's a servant position. And that is cultivated a lot of times behind the scenes, right? And so before doing anything that people are seeing, God had me in situation after situation after situation where I'm doing things that are more lowly, like cleaning a bathroom, right? Mopping a floor, doing things that don't appear super impressive, you know, being around people who are outwardly very successful and still choosing to follow what God was telling me to do in that season because my confidence wasn't found in the task I was doing at the moment, but in who God was in my life, is in my life, and who he says that I am. And so no matter what you're doing at the moment, you can have a healthy confidence because of your relationship with him. Amen? Uh, last there is a, a, to be reverent. That aligns your posture. God wants us to have a proper sense of reverence for him, of honor for him, of awe of him, of fear of him. Like there's a healthy place of that that says, God, you are amazing, awesome, bigger than I could even fathom. You think way bigger than I could ever think. Like you design all of creation and spoke it into existence. You hold all things in your hand. You sit enthroned above everything that takes place in the world. And when I remember those things, it aligns my posture before him to a posture of humility. Um, And the last thing is to adjust your proximity. So you want to slow your pace, you want to align your posture, and you want to adjust your proximity. Again, 
Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the, say it, field. A man of the? A man of the? Pay attention. While Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in what? Esau was out in the field. Jacob was in the tent. Jacob received the blessing. Jacob received the birthright. And both of those things took place because of his proximity. So Esau was out running around hunting, exhausting himself, chasing everything. Drained all of his energy. Came back to the person who was close to what he needed. Jacob was in the tent. Jacob wasn't even cooking with meat. He said it was lentil stew. Jacob's like, I'm going to just use these plants and so I can stay here where I'm supposed to be. While you're out here running around, chasing everything, doing all this stuff, trying to accomplish all this stuff, getting the affirmation from people. Everybody's telling you that you're so amazing. I know that I'm not called to that, but I'm going to be where God called me to be. And I'm going to be cooking this stew that God called me to create. And then what do you know? The person who's out here chasing all around, spends all this time, exhausts everything that they have, comes in and is like, I'm about to die from all this. Just give me what you got. (laughs) Jacob was in proximity to God. We see all throughout scripture that God is a God of the tent. God dwells in tents. The tabernacle is a tent. Scripture describes our own body as a tent and says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit where he dwells. There is a constant theme throughout Scripture of God tabernacling, gathering with man in what? A tent. There's something God is communicating here. The person who was blessed was a man of the tent while Esau was a man of the field. And I found that it's hard to hear God in the field because he's a God of the tent. It's hard to hear God in the field while you're running all around, moving at a fast pace, because God is a God of the tent. God is a (laughs) And so, as I mentioned, I was asking the Lord, like, what what are you wanting to show me scripturally? When it comes to having an authentic relationship with you, and, and I feel like it was, it was simply this, man. The, the contrast that we see before uh, us with Jacob and with Esau, a, a lot of it is illustrated right here. Because most of what we are looking for, the source of everything that we need, is not found out here in the field chasing everything that the world finds impressive. But it's actually in the tent where we meet with God. This is where God wants us to cultivate relationship with him. But what I found about the tent, there are two things that I want us to know about the tent. That one, we have to make space for the tent in our lives. A tent is going to take up space. Some of us don't even know where to go to start cultivating relationship with God. 
And it starts by making space for God in your life, a space to meet with God in your life. How do you do that? I've found a couple ways of doing that, right? So how I make space to connect with God, I have some examples for you. One is journaling. This is not something that I was super big on in the past. Um, Gabrielle actually really encouraged me a lot in this area. I was lazy when it came to writing. I was like, I'll just talk it into my phone, right? God gives me something. And I've found that there's something special that takes place when I slow my pace, align my posture, and come in proximity to God, opening up his word, and I open up a journal that I can actually write what he's teaching me. And the revelation that comes from doing that is so much deeper because he's unfolding it at the right pace. As I write what I'm learning, it starts unfolding. And I started with a sentence and now I have a page. Now I have two pages off of one thing, right? We, we've spent most of this time on one verse. Literally, Esau being in the field, Jacob being in a tent, and God just unpacking it. And that's what he wants to do because God wants relationship with us. God does not want us to just go do stuff for him, right? Go do all this stuff. And then at the end of your life, let's talk about it. That's the Esau life. You don't know what your calling is, but you know what you're good at. And so you go do that. And then people tell you that's amazing. And your dad says, oh, I love this. This is awesome. Love that you're a doctor, right? But you never ask God. And so Esau spends his whole life exhausting himself, giving up what's most valuable. Sold his own birthright because he didn't see the value in it. But exhausted himself because clearly he saw the value in hunting for the day. So he gave all his energy to it. And then for a bowl of soup, gives his whole inheritance. His dad was rich. Legit. Isaac was rich. Think about it. Bill Gates' child, right? Think about it. Now, I've heard, you know, some of these people, they're giving their children like small inheritances. That's a whole other thing, right? But imagine, imagine Bill Gates has two sons and they're going to split like the billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars, right? That's cool. But also imagine if only one of them was getting everything. Because that's how this was. You're going to get this $80 billion or whatever it is. And they come home one day. And, are, and they're hungry. And they're like, bro, I just need this food. And their brother's like, sign over your $80 billion inheritance and I'll give you these noodles. <laughs> and they're like, bro, fine, that's cool. That's what happened. And there's a picture that we're supposed to learn from because God is saying there are a lot of people doing this. There are a lot of us doing this because we're out here chasing all this stuff that God never told us to chase, doing all these things God never told us to do and never opening up the tent. Right. We don't even know what it looks like in here. Right. I might as well go ahead and get up in here. 
This is where God wants us to be. Learn how to make a tent in your life. Close it. Spend some time with God. I do that sometimes. I'll do that sometimes through journaling. Sometimes it's just through prayer. Sometimes it's through reading the Bible, reading books, spiritual books, listening to messages and sermons, listening to podcasts, even having conversations with other believers. I know that when I enter into these spaces, this is a space that I expect to hear from God. So when I'm having a conversation with one of you guys, I enter that space listening for God. When I'm having conversations about the Lord, I'm listening for God to speak. He'll confirm so many things just through people around you, believers around you, not just anybody. I open the Bible expecting to hear from God. This is the tent. Open this journal expecting to hear from God. It's the tent. But I've got to make space for it. I've got to create some spaces where I hear from God. So some of you need to intentionally create some spaces where you hear from God because you may be feeling like you're not hearing him right now. And God is saying, I need a tent to meet with you in. I need a tent to give you the blessing. I need a tent for you to be in to have something to get this birthright that I've chosen for you. Be in proximity. Second is we have to make time to dwell in the tent. We can, we can have a tent. We can know what they are. We can, we can have the spaces. But if we never open it up and go in there, we still won't find this authentic space with God. Because we know where to go, but we don't go. Because we're busy doing other stuff. So, man, I believe that God wants some of us to learn today to be people of the tent. The world can be people of the field. They can do the impressive things. They can do all this stuff that doesn't get them anywhere. God says of Jacob and Esau, he says in Malachi, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. That's a strong statement. But I believe it had something to do with these things, the pace, the posture, the proximity. Esau didn't have a heart after God and they had no relationship. And God despises that when somebody who he's created, protected, covered, blessed, has no regard for him. But God invites us into a love relationship with him. This is what he wants. He wants to be involved in every area of our lives. But we got to create a tent. We got to make space. He's not just going to knock down the door and invade. Every now and then you'll hear a story about him just audibly speaking to somebody while they're walking down the street or driving in their car. But that's not common. It's never happened to me. But as I've made space to meet with God, God shows up. When you show up here on a Tuesday night, on a Sunday morning, God shows up when we create spaces and expect him to meet us there. He will meet us there. And so I want us to, to fast forward as we close right here. Uh, in Hebrews 12, man, 
This is like years and years and years and years later. Jacob and Esau, I mean, God starts a covenant with Abraham. Jacob is Abraham's grandson. This is thousands of years ago. Then you're talking about after Jesus Christ comes, is resurrected, the church is established, and now there's a, there's a letter to the Hebrew people. And we see what the legacy of Esau still is right here, right? Hebrews 12, 16 through 17, it says, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the only son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. And I believe that this should be a sobering moment for some of us to just be reminded, a healthy reminder, but an urgent reminder that God wants a relationship with you. And God wants a real relationship with you. But there's a temptation for us to be godless like Esau. There's a temptation to exclude him from what we are doing. And when we do that, we get rid of everything valuable that he's given us. And so the worship team is about to come out here in a second. And I want us to take a moment to take some inventory in our lives. Because surely there are some things that are contending for your heart contending for your affections and for your attention. There are some things contending for your soul. And God wants to be the provider of everything that you need. He is your source. He is the provider of your purpose. He is love in itself. He created love. He loves you with an unfathomable love that he wants to reveal to you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper as you journey with him. But we've got to make a choice whether we're going to go live this field life, running around, chasing everything that the world is promising us, pornography, sexual immorality, drugs, unhealthy relationships, greed, all these things that are not fitting for the kingdom of God that he's calling us to this beautiful life that he's calling us to, this beautiful relationship that he's calling us to. These things stand in the way. All sin stands in the way between us and God. And if we're gonna have an authentic relationship with him, we have to make a choice whether we're gonna live this field life or if we're gonna make a tent. And we're gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna be a person of the tent. I'm gonna spend some time with God. I'm gonna slow down my pace. I'm gonna align my posture, right? I'm gonna be in proximity to God. I have to make a choice. And so if you'll stand to your feet. Worship team's coming out and we're gonna go into a time where I want us to reflect. Man, what's going on in my life? Where is my heart right now? What is my pace looking like? What is my posture looking like? How close am I to God? What's my proximity looking like? And I believe that God wants to speak to us in some of these areas. And if we won't resist, I believe that God wants to bless us with some wisdom in these areas. And I believe some of us, man, as we, as we evaluate, we need to make a choice to say, God, I'm actually gonna make some adjustments here. 
to slow down my pace and to get in step with you, to align my posture and to adjust, right? My proximity. And so I wanna pray. And then we're gonna take some time to just let the song wash over us and evaluate and take inventory. And we're gonna make a choice. And we're gonna go into a time of worshiping God and connecting with God and hearing from him. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this time. Lord, I thank you that you give us opportunity after opportunity to make a choice for you, to do life with you, to come close to you, to dwell with you. Lord, I thank you that you want us to know practical ways to do that, Lord. Lord, that you're not distant, that you're not far, that you're not trying to make this hard for us. But you say, you stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will open the door that you will come in and dine with us, you want relationship with us, you desire us, but we have to open the door. We have to make a choice. We have to choose you. But we have to choose to be close to you. And so, God, I pray that you would help hearts all over the building, all over online tonight, Lord. I pray that you would help hearts to be softened to you, to be receptive to you, Lord. Undoubtedly, there are still some people jostling, Lord, living in the tension of, ah, do I really do this? Lord, I pray that you would help to ease some of our concerns and some of our worries and help us to draw close to you, Lord to not be concerned about the temporary things of this world, to not be concerned about outward and worldly accomplishments, Lord. I pray that you would help us to see the value in what you've given us, Lord. Help us to see the value in our birthright. Help us to see the value in the inheritance that you've given us. Help us to see the value in the blessing that you've spoken over us, Lord. That you've given us everything already, Lord. Help us to be receptive to you and open to you, Lord. And I pray that tonight you will help us to choose you firmly, Lord. And have your way in this time as we glorify you, as we focus on you, as we lift you high, and as we place you on the throne of our lives once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.